Hey, Straight Talk on Leadership listeners. Thanks so much for listening to part one of our Tom Stone interview. This week, you'll be hearing part two, along with some amazing leadership lessons. So like we always say, sit back, turn up the volume, and get ready to change your life. Hi, I'm Dean Chris. Welcome to Straight Talk on Leadership. This is what we'd like to say is the no BS zone, where we give you leadership tips, ideas, and practical suggestions to help you become a top leadership performer. Our goal is simple, help you become the best version of yourself and reach your highest potential as a leader. So sit back, turn up the volume, be ready to change your life. Well, I think the last year, the last, uh, I think the last two years before I left, I was on the road 131 night, uh, nights in a year. And, wow. you know, I was getting old and, you know, you got some bones that wear out and different things. But one of the other pinnacles that came to us was that the corporate America came to lead us and said, would we come into their boardrooms and talk to their executives? Because in the corporate world, you know, they have their $400 suits and their $300 neckties and all of that, but they don't understand the principles of leadership. They think they do. Oh, yeah. And so we were invited into the boardrooms of organizations to talk to their senior management about really leadership at, at, from a law enforcement angle and how to deal with people. And, and that really was great. And the other thing that, that, that you and the rest of the folks have done is you're keeping up with what's going on in, in today's society. Uh, the staff that they have there now developing the courses and so forth has got to do that. One of the biggest things that I was thinking about after you and I talked last week, because I learned a lesson from Metro Dade about it, is the, the uh, recruitment and retention of police there. You can't get police there. Most major departments, local departments, are offering bounties to hire police. That's something that leaders got to address sooner or later is, is how to recruit and retain uh, good policemen. Because otherwise, in, in the 70s in, in South Florida and around the country, it happened in, in New York, Chicago, and, and so forth. There was such a shortage that basically anybody that could bring you, they were hiring as a policeman. And it took us into a very corrupt time of policing in the United States. And that's something we don't want to see come there. And that's why. Lita, uh, I think, has to be in the forefront of helping police executives. And when I say police executives, we're talking about sheriffs, police departments, highway patrols, commissioners, and so forth. But it's got to help the law enforcement agency deal with the problem of having retained good policemen. Because oh, we, yeah. don't want to get, we don't want to get back into the, you know, if they can breathe, we're going to put a gun on them. That Those days, that, that was when I came up. That's the way it was. Oh, yeah. And, and you know... And that's so true, though. And that that's so true that you you have to really forward look. And one of the things that you did early on was you created an internal affairs course with that, and and you put Larry Horak at the helm of that. There is no finer individual on this planet than Larry Horak, one of my great friends, but just a great instructor. Loves people, loves law enforcement, a dedicated servant of law enforcement. He took that program to new levels, him and uh, Eric Daigle. Eric who, Daigle. Yeah, Eric Daigle, who had done that. And people uh, don't know the story of that. How, how did you add that IA segment to that? 
it became a, a situation that we were getting uh, inquiries at the leader office about how do you handle this situation and how do you handle that situation. And I had the opportunity when I was in Metro Day to do a, a stint in internal affairs. Now they call it professional standards, and then you had a bunch of, you know, puffy names for it. It's still internal affairs. And, and so I said to myself, well, let's let's come up with a course that, that deals with that, and let's find the best person that I can find in, in the country to, to teach it. And uh, uh, Larry Horak was uh, recommended to us. And, and he is the father of internal affairs teaching. He, he is the expert on it. And, and then Eric Daigle is our general counsel. He, he, he became involved in it. And that's a very popular class right now, I, I guess, because of the nature of the beast of police work. And uh, that's how that came about. And, and we started out, uh, oh, I forget where it was. Uh, it was in Wisconsin. With the first class and, and with Larry Horak, and he's just such a master at it. But that's what Lita did. We we found the very, very best that we could find to to form these programs and come up with the the instruction for these programs. And that's what it takes. You, you just can't hand a book to a person and say, "You go teach us class." Oh yeah. You know, we we don't teach classes, or we didn't teach classes. We interacted with the students. Oh yeah. And, and we didn't we didn't have what we call you know, uh, pulpit pounders who would get up behind the podium and, you know, try to talk like we, we, we wouldn't allow that. They had to interact and ho hopefully that's what they still do. Apparently they do because of the success of the program. And oh, yeah. uh, but there's so many things now that the police executive coming up and, and it's hard to find police executives, as you know, uh, that the need to know before they, they get into the arena and, and uh, that's what Lee was providing. Well, and you also, Eric Daigle, uh, he had uh, he had such an integral part too of the foundation of Lita with the legal stuff that Eric. There's there's nobody smarter than Eric. There's nobody that knows legal stuff more than he does. And I have a great deal of respect for him. He's one of the finest legal minds as it relates to police uh, in in the country. And he he has made himself. Uh, and his law firm and his training is one of the best out there. So the in, 2000, area in 2006, I was doing a program in uh, Arlington, Texas, Fort Worth. I forget somewhere right in that area. And he was a student in, in the class. Eric Dagle was. And uh, represented a police department from uh, Massachusetts or Connecticut, where he was from. And he saw on the... Uh, program, but the last class we did was a constitutional law thing that, that I put together that I would talk to him about 1983 actions and so forth and so on, vicarious liability and deliberate indifference and so forth. And for about three days before that came up, he kept bugging me. And you know how Eric can be sometimes, it's like tugging <laughs> at your damn pants, man. <laughs> Let me do it. Give me a chance to do this. Give me a chance to do that. And I said, okay, you know, Mr. Daigle, if you think you can do it, I'll put you out in front of the class. Well, I put him out in front of the class and his passion and his delivery. I said, well, we, we've got to talk about that. Then the next year, I recommended and the board hired him as general counsel. That's been uh, 14 or 15 years ago. So yeah. he's been an integral part uh, of the educational process at LIDA and has done a fantastic job. Oh my gosh, he has. And I joined right after Eric and, you know, Eric, I kind of got the same thing that Eric got was 
you you said, oh, you think you can teach? Okay, go ahead and let's see what you can do. You, I was, in, you and I were in Santa Ana, California. Santa Ana, yeah, right. yeah, that's right. At uh, and they had LAPD people in there and had all kinds of people in there, and you were like, okay. So if you think you can teach this bunch, throw me to the wolves. And I know exactly what Eric felt like. <laughs> well, well, and, and I think testing under fire like that, and, and I don't know how they do it now, but I, I, at least we laid we laid the groundwork for it. And obviously, it, it's still working. Uh, but but there's so much that, that the police executive around this great country of ours has to face today. And uh, we're wearing them out, and, and we need to build them up with uh, good leadership skills. And, and uh, it, it takes you, you don't know where you're going until you know where you came from. Yeah, that's for sure. And, and then, and, and, that, and that was those early days where I, I don't think people realize the struggles of just putting on a conference. You guys were putting on one of the best conferences in the country because they now, and, and speaking not harshly nor badly about any conferences, no. but conferences can be impersonal. They can be, okay, you're here, do whatever you do. And we don't really care about what else goes on. We're going to do our events and you do what you want to do. But an FBI leader conference is never like that. It is always very personable where everyone feels like they have a part and they know people that like they 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 talk and they visit. And it's not all about all these thousands of events going on. It's about every night is about a focused event where people can get together. And the I mean, it's just amazing how you guys did that. I, I don't know where you came up with that idea of how making those, but everyone I've ever been to, and it's been 10, 12, 13, 14 of them, or how many ever, it's always been extremely personable. And you set that out. Was that easy? No, it wasn't because we, we've we been doing the conferences now for, for 23 years. The first one we did was in St. Petersburg Beach, Florida. We had uh, 39 people that were there at the conference, a wellness of 39 people. I think 25 of them were FBI agents. But uh, you, know, you had to start somewhere. Yeah. And so with the conference, you know, you got IACP, the National Sheriff's, and it's a gadget show. You know, a thousand vendors and, you know, everybody trying to get in your pocket for you to buy this and that and the other thing. And we focused on a limited number of vendors, you know, that supported us. No question about that, because you have to have that diversity. And then bringing the instructors in for the people to hear about what they needed to hear about, not to repay debts to let somebody be on the speaker's desk. And uh, uh, to interact in the evenings and so forth, built around the instruction of that day or the instruction the next day, and making everybody involved. And, and that's what has, has kept the leader conferences at the forefront. The one they just had in, uh, in Fort Lovedale back in April was the same way. I was tickled to death to, to witness what they've done. And, and you take the staff at Lita now. Lita's got, uh, you know, we started out with one person and two. And I think when we left, uh, we had a full-time staff of four or five people. And now they've got 10 or 11 full-time people in the office, 30-some instructors. It's just amazing to sit back and, and, and feel that you had a small part in, in the growth of this organization. And, uh, uh, the, you know, the new executive director, Perry Parent, is working hard to keep these up. Uh, Neil Moore, who was the police chief, I think, in Indianapolis, 
uh, he's doing the curriculum, and, and of course, you got Donna doing the training. And, and well, you can't forget Lynn. Lynn, now she came Lynn in. Was, no, I, I never could forget Lynn because Lynn was the keeper of the shekels. Yes, she was. You know, and she... I, I, I'm more of a down earth people, so I just go to Lynn as executive director and say, Lynn, do we have enough money to operate on? You know, <laughs> don't show me balance sheets. Just tell me whether we got cash in the bank. And, you know, she has the best way about her, too. She is one of the most amazing people to ever dealt with. Just love to work with her, and, and she helps everybody. Always responds immediately. I mean, just, I, I don't know, couldn't have found a better person with her. It's proved out your selection process with her was amazing. Just what yeah, a great person. She's been there, I guess, 15 or 16 years. So, Well, she came right after, uh, right after I did. Right, oh, yeah. after, right after I did, yeah. Because Donna was doing, then Lynn came because we just, they, I mean, there was people, you go from like, all of a sudden you got like 12 or 14 classes or 16 classes. I remember a conversation I had with Tim Plotz when he first came on. He's like, man, this this recession has really hit everybody hard. Nobody's wanting to have a class. Nobody's wanting to do anything. And, and I really want to work, you know, and I was like, you have got to just hang in here because this thing, what we're doing, and then Tim would go in one direction, I'd go in another, and we'd get two more classes or three more classes, and then money and the, the you know, the classes and pay and just, it was tremendous. I mean, to watch that stuff grow like that. But it, it was all because I, I think the lesson that I learned out of that was if if you got people who believe in the same things you do, just let them go do their work, you know? And that's what you did was you kind of let, you told us on training, all right, here's what we'll do. And then you and I would talk like every day, almost two hours. And people don't realize this, this almost every day, two hours on the phone, vetting instructors, talking about curriculum, talking what we're going. And you know, I didn't mention somebody's name that we should, I should have mentioned John Took. John Took was a, uh, was there before me. John Took was a valuable person. And uh, I believe John's one, uh, if I'm not mistaken, came up with a trilogy name. I don't know if that'd be true. Yeah, John John came to me. John was an inspector with Jersey City Police Department. And John's a very, very intelligent, smart guy. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and had some great classroom skills. And, and we had the three programs. And we were sitting around trying to figure out how we could marry everything together. And... and kicking names around and John came or called up get which was what it was and said well, maybe we could name it trilogy. What do you think of that? He was asking me and uh and and I pondered around with it and thought about it for a few days or something like that. And I said, well it is a trilogy, you know, but we gotta keep it in trilogies. You know, so that there's no question uh the the John came up with the concept of the trilogy name or or, or the trilogy name. But we limited to how you could get it. Of course, they could change it anytime they wanted to, but they haven't, which I really appreciate. And, and uh, he, he was he was an intricate part of leading back in in the early days, and, and certainly contributed a lot to to uh, what we did. We had some interesting times uh, on the road and, and, and so forth. And uh, we, we owe all of those folks who were back there in the early days uh, a lot of credit. Another thing that I think is important, very important, is with Lita, I would not allow them to, to cross train. In other words, F Forte was leadership. That's what we wanted to do. We wanted to, to turn out the best leaders we could, including the internal affairs, the PIO, and the other things that they're doing. And we kept getting requests, well, can you do a class on use of force or, or the proper use of a PR24, or you know what I mean. 
oh, yeah. technical aspect. And I thought about it for about, oh, four or five seconds and said, no, we're not going to, we're, we're going to stay in the lane that we're comfortable in and that we do the best in. So we're talking with our counterparts and other associations around the country. I said, why don't you guys go for that type of program? You know, had a, a handcuff or had a, you know, the, the physical aspects and technical aspects of, of policing, you know, the proper felony stops and, and so forth. And we'll stick to what we're the best at. Oh yeah. And then you, you get in your lane, we'll stay in our lane. And, and, and uh, I think they appreciated that. And they've come out with some excellent programs. And, and, and uh, I look at some of the professional journals uh, today and, and so forth, and, and we've been imitated, but uh, that, that's as far as they've gotten. Nobody's ever reached the, the heights uh, of what leaders doing today. And, and uh, it's it just, but you, you've got to keep your mind going all the time about what are the contemporary issues? What are we facing? What is the toughest contemporary issue now facing law enforcement executives? Yeah, and you know that uh, support staff at FBI leader with uh, Mark currently working there and being the operations Mark director. Mark Clark, yeah. Mark Clark. I mean, those guys, they they kill it. They do such a great job of keeping this COVID thing. Uh, when it came about, really tested the operational and the support services kind of it tested their metal with, you know, do we cancel classes? What do we do? I mean, do we, how do we get the forms? I mean, I tell you what, I was super impressed with their response uh, to how they handled things and how balanced they were and the stuff that they put out. I mean, I think they did an excellent job. I mean, that was leading in a crisis period of time. And then, you know, they went without an executive director for almost a year or so, which uh, to keep the ball rolling with a board and a president trying to run that was very hard for them. And that was right in the middle of COVID too. That was in, that wasn't when decisions were easy. And uh, so that what I love about Lita is the fact that they proved the teamwork and pulled together, you know, on that uh, operational support side up there and, and really stayed kind of in the, I, I mean, a lot of companies could have went under. Well, I, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. Mark Clark, who's the chief operating officer at LIDA, uh, was thrust into a situation uh, for almost a year where there was no executive director. They were going through a pretty tough transition period. And, and uh, like you said, then COVID hit and uh, the bills are being paid by the, the, uh, the classes that we put on throughout the country. And, you know, between uh, Mark, Donna, and Lynn, they kept the ship afloat. Yes, they and, did. And, and people were, were coming to them uh, that I've been told, doing COVID, let's, let's get some classes. How can we do this? How can we do that? Uh, before I left, we started doing some virtual classes. And, and that's that's taken off pretty well. Oh, very good, as a matter of fact. But uh, what they did through the transition, Mark, Lynn, and Donna, uh, showed the leadership of the organization. They, they were practicing what they were preaching it. We're going to keep. We're not going to lose what we put together, and we're not. We're not going to let the absence of an executive director for a certain period of time and COVID knock us down. And, and they did exactly what good leadership people do, mm-hmm. and they just went right into it. And, yeah, and you know, Tom, they were leading by at all in three different locations. They weren't 
you know, everybody was uh, kind of abandoned the office situation, not because they wanted to, but, but out of the necessity of the shutdown and uh, man, I tell you what, they pulled it off. They did a, they did an outstanding job there of uh, just, and, and that's big business up there. That's not a little mom and pop shop. That's a, that's a lot of things. That's magazines, that's uh, conferences, that's classes, that's, that's all those things. So they they did a tremendous job of pulling all that together, and I and I really commend them. And have been and you know for, for a while. Uh, I don't think they do that anymore. But another way we we gained a great reputation is that when police departments would contact me and say, "Look, I got a problem in my property room. You know, I want to make sure it's running right." Then I would send out teams of people to audit property rooms and, mm-hmm. and, and things like that, and help with manuals. Yes, writing writing manuals and. So, so that all led to, to the bona fides of Lita and, and what FBI Lita was doing. Let's take a short break from the show, and we'll be right back. Hey, Straight Talk on Leadership listeners. I just wanted to take a quick break and thank each and every one of you for listening to our podcast. With your support, Dean Klein to Amazon's bestseller list for his new book, Essential Leadership Lessons from the Thin Blue Line. You can purchase Dean's book at any of your favorite retail locations, as well as our home website. We would love to see you in one of Dean's upcoming live classes. You can find where Dean will be teaching next, as well as buy his new book at www.lhln.org. Thanks again. Now, back to the episode. The, they've gotten terrific support from the Bureau and from Quantico, and, and uh, it, it promotes the law enforcement name and, and the great cooperation between FBI and, and state and local departments through organizations such as LEDA, the National Academy, and NEI. Yeah, and the boards up there um, have, those guys have had to pitch together too and pull together during this period of time. and. You know, I, I I commend them on the things that they did. Some of my best friends in law enforcement have come from board members, just knowing them and getting to see them and interact with them. And I'll tell you what, it's been a blessing for me. Lita, without question, changed my life. You gave me the opportunity to change my life just by instructing and putting me the confidence in me out there on the road. And then in turn, you know, it, it led to other folks, too, that we had contact with. But I can't thank you enough for what you did, not just for me, but for law enforcement in general. When you look at your impact, that's truly being significant right there is somebody who looks past themselves. And I know you don't like to take credit. I've worked, I've been with you long enough to know that you don't like to take credit for stuff like that. But I just want people to know how important you have been in this overall mission of getting us to where we are today just by the forward thinking and the things that you did. And I, I did want to give people kind of a glimpse of what the Lita struggle was. It's it's the Lita success today, but there's always a backstory to the Lita struggle. And, you know, you had people early on like Todd Ackerman and guys like that, that were Sam Pinnica board members and, you know, Paul Shastany and, and uh, you know, people like that. And, uh, just that were uh, t- just tremendous people on the boards that I got to be friends with. And, you know, they just were t- tremendous. And uh, my well, friend, you took, you, you, took the, you took a leadership role, you know, uh, 
when we started really building the the association uh we had Keith and other people out there teaching, but to, to cultivate and bring on new instructors and new ideas and concepts, I have to give that credit to you because you, you said it earlier, I, I'm a hip shooter. If you ask me to write a lesson plan or something like that, you know how good I am at that. But you put me up there and I'll talk to you and convince you that I know something. But uh, <laughs> uh, you, you brought it you brought it to a different level because you, of your perseverance. You know, you had the experience, you had time with the police chief, you had the credibility, and you had the desire to make Lita go. And, and then you've taken it in your career to, to bring it into different police departments to the other aspects of the training that you do. And that's what we need. We need more Dean Crisp around and we can give a cadre of names, but but uh, Lita is is provided a lot of influence to law enforcement, and and, and brought a lot of impact to it, and, and it, it, I hope it never declines. Well, you know, Tom, it, and what what I've seen that you know out of the FBI Lita thing is you you can start with something, a really small idea, which is you had. You went to Lita, so then now you come back, and and people don't realize when you talk about a class counselor, that person kind of does all the administrative stuff, helps the FBI with, and helps to the, the, be a mentor for that week that the chiefs are there. That's not an easy role, but you take that and then turn that into an idea that becomes FBI Lita is just crazy ridiculous. You know that is just nuts on doing that. And, who, who were some of the early guys early on that kind of, um, and I don't want, you know, who were some of those early guys? So we, we don't forget to mention them. You, you, well, as, as far as the, the leader board members, you know, there, there was a cadre of board members and, and from all over the country, we had a father son uh, board member, uh, Richard Setter and, and his son from Minneapolis and uh, Minnetonka, and Minnesota. And we, we've had, a variety of, of police chiefs and sheriffs, and uh, that's what makes the diversity of the board good. And, and uh, a, a lot of them have stayed involved. And that, to me, that says a lot. When you can have a board member that served 10 or 15 years ago and is still active in the association and cares about what goes on, I think that speaks well for the organization. And we have that, we see in the conferences and, and things like that. Uh, individually, to name all of the people, uh, I guess your listeners would, would cut it off because they don't want to hear a bunch of names. But but people who are interested, truly interested in law enforcement leadership, can, can take a lesson from from what you've done and other people have done, and stay involved and know that your voice can count and that you can come up with an idea to to help in 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 teaching leadership in, in seeing things because. The, the paragrams of, of leadership throughout the country are all different depending on the demographics, the politics, and so forth. And, and leaders have to realize and know how to read that to become effective leaders. The, the problems, uh, you know, that I, I had sometimes as a police chief, back in the day when police chiefs got fired or whatever they got, we call it philosophical differences between the chief and the mayor. That <laughs> yeah. meant you got fired. You know? <laughs> that meant you got the pink slip. <laughs> you just got the boots. And, right. and, you know, uh, the first director I worked for in, in Metro Bay, Florida, E. Wilson Purdy, he says, it, it, it takes being fired at least once or so to be a good police chief. You know, <laughs> you know, because yeah. 
police chiefs and, and so politics is a full contact sport. And the other thing we did in, in Lita back in the time was we would tell these people sitting in the classroom, they, they would say, well, sheriffs are dealing with politics. No, police chiefs deal in politics every day of their life. They deal in <laughs> politics and they have to learn how to do that and, and so forth. And that's another thing we brought to the people in the classroom. That, that it's politics, like I said, is a full contact sport and you're dealing with it all the time. Look at what's going on in different cities around the country right now. Oh, yeah. And, and you see see that. So. And, and, you know, we early on, we got some significant endorsements from folks that helped us with like the North Carolina Highway Patrol and then we got the Delaware Chiefs with John Horseman, and he became a board member. John Horseman was huge in getting some of our early contracts with us. And then you have those departments like Hampton, New Hampshire, who always put people in classrooms, you know. And then you had Ozzy Knezovich. I can't really say – I forgot how to say that last name, but Ozzy out in Spokane, who always put people in. God, was that a tough trip to Spokane. Oh, I know. Oh, my God. I mean, I get on a plane like, honestly, you'd have to leave at eight in the morning and not arrive till 1130 their time and then teach all day. That was a killer. And you look at those like the the organizations like that who stepped up in those uh, Palm Beach and Florida and just places like that that took a chance on FBI leader. And uh, I I mean, you know, it, it afforded an opportunity to get law enforcement, leadership, law enforcement on the forefront, you know, and that's what Lita has done, has put the importance of leadership in law enforcement on the forefront. Like you've got to train these police leaders, you know, and that's the thing that has just been tremendous with FBI Lita. What a great story as they continue to build their classes. And if you haven't had a chance to take the FBI trilogy courses, please do. You're going to run across some great instructors and you're going to run across some people who are dedicated. The material's great. Uh, and, and, you know, Tom, I, I've always told people that how smart you were, uh-huh. but in a folksy way, because you don't ever like to admit that you've got that much sense, but just when you hear you talking this on this podcast, people get an idea of, of why that came out of you and, and your brilliance when it comes to that. And, and I don't want to feel like that I'm being overly that, but it's very true. I've had a chance to meet with you and hundreds and hundreds of hours spent with you. And I've learned so much from you. I want to thank you for that. And other leaders, too. And uh, matter of fact, Lita took it upon itself. Uh, good gosh, 12, 14, 15 years ago to develop an award in your name called the Tom Stone Award at FBI Lita. And that is given to someone, either to an individual or an organization that has shown outstanding leadership in uh, law enforcement. And I can't think of a better testimony than that they create an award at a leadership group that teaches leadership in the name of someone. And that was you. And what a testimony to your leadership is that, Tom. So that certainly was an unexpected uh, uh Pinnacle in, in, in my career in 2007 when, when that award was established. And uh, uh, every time it's mentioned and given out, it, it, it humbles me. It, it really humbles me. And uh, Well, it, it should because it represents a message that you told law enforcement many, many years ago. You've got to train these leaders. You can't put these people in positions 
And you saw that in your own life in terms of the lessons that you learned in the being a chief 20 years. You know, you and I joke, we always say being a chief's like aging in dog years. It's just not one year. It's like multiple 10 years. So you, you being 120, me being 117, we're about 175 years old on the inside. But, you know, you just did a tremendous job of promoting leadership and what it what it's supposed to be about. So, I mean, well, I can't I think, think, you know. I think one of the things that we wind down the road that, that I like to really emphasize when, I, when I'm talking to folks, especially the young people in law enforcement, is never forget where you came from. Never forget where you came from. And always said, you always said. I, I interact with people in police departments around the area. I'm helping a couple of them in this area now uh, with some issues that they're, they're handling. And, and I tell them that, and, and so many times they forget where they came from. They, they forget who they are. And if you want to be a failure in law enforcement, especially in law enforcement leadership, forget where you came from. Yeah, that's for sure. They, they'll remind you real quick. Oh, yeah. And uh, you can't forget where you came from. No, and you never have done that. And uh, Tom, I can't tell you how much this has meant to me for you to be on the podcast and to agree to tell the lead a story like no one else could. We've mentioned a lot of names here. And if we missed anybody, man, it's not because we it's just we're both I'm old and I forgot. Doesn't mean that you didn't play an important role. All those people played a tremendous role in, in advancing leader to where it is. Uh, Neil Moore, who's the current uh, curriculum director, what a great man he is. Can't find a better person on the earth. He's, you know, taking that and trying to make that the best it can be. I mean, just people like that. And it's just been people believing in something you created that many years ago. What a legacy. You know, uh, I will say this, and and, and it's kind of like this. Uh, and two, of, two people that I admire in a weird way is one is Andy Warhol. Uh, because Andy Warhol was so smart and so creative and he and people don't realize how much of a good guy he was at times. If he had friends that were in need, he would do a painting and give it to them so they could get out of financial trouble. Uh, I mean, that's hard. If you know you make $150,000 by painting a soup can, it's hard to give it to somebody else. And he'd give it to them and they'd sell it and, and get out of their financial troubles. But Andy and him and Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs was one of the guys that created Apple, but he was a tyrant. I don't aspire, nor do I uh, endorse his leadership techniques or tactics, but you can't deny what he did. And I'll wrap this by saying those two individuals had a why statement that, and that why statement is why you do what you do. And their why statement reminds me of you and your impact you've had, not only on me, but the impact you've had on people around this country uh, is that Andy Warhol's why statement was, I don't want to live forever, but I want to create something that will. And you did that. Steve Jobs said, my why is to create or cause a dent in a universe. And you've done that with what you've done. You've made both a dent and you've created something that will live on way beyond you. And I don't know of any better testimony than that. And I want to thank you for, your willingness to believe what somebody told you a long time ago that I might can teach a little bit. So I want to thank you for believing that. And I've been trying to prove you right every <laughs> single day. I think you have. Classroom. Tom, think thank you. you. Let me give you the last word. Oh, I'm just tickled. I appreciate everything you've done. 
and everything everybody's done for Lita. And, and uh, you know, there'll always be people that are, to help the folks in law enforcement. And, and that's what we're all about. And it, it's great sharing the story of Lita with you. And uh, I enjoy it. And, and I enjoy it so much. But the other thing I enjoy sometimes is a good glass of bourbon and a cigar. So I know you do. <laughs> they all go together. <laughs> so say your famous word, your last word. You always say. Oh, I don't have you say words. no you say cheers so let me hear you say i always say cheers because i believe in that uh, <laughs> it's just strictly cheers and, and you know we'll see you down the road man thank you tom i love you and i appreciate you folks you've had tom stone who is i consider a living legend but somebody that's made such an impact on so many people's lives mine most of all and i want to thank him for being our guest and as we always say until next time i'm dean chris You've been listening to the Straight Talk on Leadership podcast with Dean Crisp. Be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or Spotify so that you do not miss a future episode. Also, please visit our website, www.lhln.org, where you can find the show notes, links provided by our guests, and learn more about the Leaders Helping Leaders Network and our upcoming classes. Until our next episode in the no BS zone, be sure to put your leadership into action every day. Thank you for listening.